I'm going in search of witches. Witches? Witches. I guess you found me out, huh? Yeah. You should come around here on Halloween. You'd really see something then. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we all jump off the roof and fly. You know, sort of like a coven. We were placed fester under some strange sexual spell. And what time will we be spellcasting? and welcome to Moonstone Witchery, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft and spirituality in a modern context. My name is Rian Lockard and I am so happy to be here with you today. Um, I am sitting outside, so if you hear some traffic in the background, please kindly just ignore it. Or as if we were in a meditation, please allow it to take you deeper and deeper into the podcast. Um, you can find me on my Instagram, Moonstone underscore Witchery. You can find me on my Facebook group, which is also Moonstone Witchery. You can find me anywhere by typing in Moonstone Witchery and head on over to MoonstoneWitchery.com. I still have a lot of enchanted keys that I'm selling and lots of fun stuff over there. And you can also book a reading or some coaching sessions with me if you are so inclined. Okay, let's get started. Um, so last night I couldn't sleep. <clears throat> I am a terrible sleeper, actually, but that's a side sidebar for another day. But I couldn't sleep, so I was sitting outside, and I was talking to the trees, as one does when one sits outside. And my guides came through, and they wanted to share something with me that I thought was really cool, super insightful, and I wanted to then turn around and share with all of you. So a couple of things were going on. Um, I was mostly just kind of sitting here contemplating, and I like to sit in stillness and say, you know, what do I need to know right now, or can you show me or tell me about something that um, would be helpful for me? And in this regard, I allow myself to just be in channel um, and to open up to be willing to receive. And so when I'm in a place of stillness, and this is me sort of sharing how to do this with you if you're interested, but when I'm in a place of stillness like that, I will just kind of visualize my channel opening in whatever method that you like to do that. I'm talking about your channel being your crown chakra um, right at the top of your head. And when it's open, you're allowing messages to flow through you from spirit. Now, the important part about being in channel is discernment. Well, there's several important parts about being in channel, one of which is discernment. And another is to kind of get out of your own way and drop into self-trust. So what I mean by discernment is when you're in channel, your job is to kind of maintain a clear mind. It's sort of like when we ground our energy and then protect ourselves before we do spell work. The reason that we are grounding ourselves before we do anything magical or psychic or spiritual is because we are trying to have the earth literally anchor us down, literally to have it hold us in place so that we can go up and out or up and around our physical body to access the spiritual plane. It's important to be grounded and held down while we're doing this kind of work so we don't just kind of drift off and lose, lose touch with ourselves and reality and so that our body can be the safety net for our spirit as it kind of goes out and does its own thing. When we are 
holding that space for ourselves and being in channel and silencing our mind, it is a way for us to ground and hold space for spirit to come through. And what we're doing is we're kicking away any thoughts that might come in to disrupt or to cloud our channel. And so this is why meditation is helpful because um, in most really like traditional forms of meditation, the goal of meditation is to clear the mind. It's not necessarily to connect to your guides or to astral travel or to receive messages. It's foundationally in certain sects of meditation practices and meditation theory. It's primarily about cleansing and clearing the mind of all thoughts. It's removing that human component, the chatter in the brain that's telling you to do something or to not do something or to make your to-do list or to think about you know, whatever person is irritating you in whatever section of your life. And so when we're in meditation, we're learning to kick those thoughts away and just be in a clear, holy kind of space, a sacred space of silence or a sacred space of being just with ourselves, that space of awareness that we both do and do not exist all at once. And so when you're in channel, it's it's good to be able to have those skills um, and just, just kind of not listen to any of your thoughts so that you can discern what are messages from spirit versus what are my own thoughts? Because they're going to come through your crown. And if they're coming through your crown, that means that they feel to you like they're coming through your brain. But they're not originating in your brain, these messages. They're originating through your channel, which is up and above and outside of yourself. So discernment and practice gets you there. So discernment is important because it's not our own thoughts. Now, we follow up this discernment with like radical self-trust, especially when we're first beginning, especially when we're setting out. I want us to trust ourselves that what we're channeling through is A, good enough, B, something we need to know, C, it is legitimately something that is coming through our channel. Um, and we can only do this by practicing trusting ourselves, right? Um, there's a whole lot of opportunity for us to have self-doubt in our lives and to dismantle ourselves and to kind of not believe ourselves. So I like to have people working on developing their intuitive gifts practice really with radical self-trust because whatever message you're getting, even if it is your own thoughts, it's obviously something that you need to know right then. So just practice being in a space of trust with yourself when you're getting into channel and working from that place, okay? So as I was sitting here <clears throat> speaking to my guides and to the trees and everything into the nighttime, um, I was just asking, what is it that I need to know right now? And my guides and the trees were talking to me and they were saying, you know, human beings are kind of like crystals or like plants. And I was like, okay, tell me more. And they were saying, you know how crystals take in energy and they are these little kind of energy transmuters. They transform it. They take in like negative or divergent energy and they transform it into something else. Or they take in whatever your energy is and they can shift it to their own vibration. And I was like, yeah, I know about that with crystals. And they said, remember how we taught you that plants are like this too. And on my YouTube channel, which, yeah, YouTube channel, please go subscribe to it. It needs some love. Um, on my YouTube channel, I have a whole video about plant magic. And I made that video after talking to my guides and they were explaining to me that plants are these little kind of energy transmuters. And so what they described to me about plants were, they were saying like, you know, everything in your world is telling you the answers to all the questions that everyone has. And they told me this a long time ago when they talked to me about um, the ways in which we can look to nature to answer our big kind of huge philosophical life questions, right? 
And they were saying, of course, there is a cycle of death and rebirth. Of course, there is life after death. All you need to do is simply look at the plants around you or look at the moon or look at the sun or look at your calendar. Everything there indicates to us that death is just merely one stop on the wheel, right? Death is merely a pause, a break. But that everything that is in cycle, the plants, the moon, the sun, the earth, everything that is in cycle comes to a point that it seems to be ending and then it begins again and in this way we know that there is life after death there is something that goes beyond so when they had me realize um and in case it sounds different i did change the location someone started like chainsawing somewhere um so what we realize is that if there is something that's being indicated to us by the universe as to the nature of this life that we are living or the nature of this reality that we're in, it's so easy to kind of look to the things around us to get information and guidance on what it is that's happening and what these answers are to these big questions that we carry. And as they were saying, the same can be true for things like, um, like when we're looking to crystals and we're looking to plants. And so what is the common link with all of these three different things that they were bringing up to me last night? They were saying that human beings are like crystals and like plants in so much as they're capable of taking in and transmuting energy. And what they were saying to me was that <clears throat> we as people are here for a multitude of reasons. Now, they've been very clear with me for years and years that our purpose in life is one of these intrinsically fun paradoxes that this reality that we're in runs on, right? Like an example of one of these paradoxes is you really can't have something if you really, really want it. You must kind of let go of the really wanting in order to free up the energy so that it can manifest and you can then have it, right? If you love something, let it go, that whole thing. Another one of these paradoxes is what I'm about to talk to you about right now, which is this thing that they taught me a while ago about the purpose and the meaning of life, they said to me, everyone's purpose is exactly the same, but everyone's purpose is infinitely different at the same time. And I was like, okay, thanks, Sphinx. Like, could you stop talking to me in riddles and just like explain yourself to me? Because I am pretty sassy and my guides are used to me at this point. So what they were saying about that was we all share one common purpose, but the way that it manifests is dramatically different. And so I'll share that with you now as I kind of build towards the conversation I had with my guides in the trees last night. So the purpose that I was told that we have here on this realm of existence um, is the same and different for each of us. It is to become the most fully self-actualized and honest version of ourselves that we can possibly be. It is to be the truest form of ourselves, no matter what. And what that requires is an immense amount of deprogramming and deconstructing and reprogramming and reconstructing of the self. It requires us to say, what in this life that I am in right now is preventing me from feeling like it's safe for me to be myself? What would I need to do to become okay with being the truest form of myself? A lot of times we try to change our truest self. We try to deny things that we carry within us. We try to say, oh, my family of origin finds it unacceptable if I'm an artist, or my family of origin finds it unacceptable if I pursue <clears throat> sorry, my goals or my dreams. 
or my family of origin finds it un unacceptable if I wear these certain kinds of clothes or pursue this certain avenue of a career path or if I'm gay or whatever the case may be, I've been taught that parts of me are unacceptable. And these can be really big ones like your sexual orientation or gender identity or they can be really small things that your family of origin has said are unacceptable things, little tiny micro judgments that kind of float around your life and shape the way you view the world and tell you the things that you are and aren't allowed to like or to do or to be or to say. And we take these in and when we want to be one of those things or to say or to have one of those things that are deemed unacceptable, our initial response is to have some self-loathing or some shame rise up within us because we say to ourselves, wait, I was taught that this is wrong. And you can see how this gets compounded by organized religion and all kinds of other groups and affiliations and things like that. And I was taught a very long time ago that it is not you who is wrong. It is simply that you are trying to conform yourself to a standard of rules or belief system which does not match you. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the rules or the belief system inherently in itself, unless, of course, it's like problematic or homophobic, racist, etc., you know. But what it does mean is that there's also nothing wrong with you for not belonging in that box that your family or your people of origin have constructed to say, this is what makes us an, an acceptable life. See, our parents' job is to raise us and to get us safely to adulthood, but that's where their influence stops. Once we are in adulthood, we're allowed to make our own decisions, but hardly anyone realizes that. Our parents were merely guiding us there, and they were doing that with their own situations and life circumstances and stresses and flaws and lack of perspective. Our parents are, after all, only humans. They are not these deities called mom and dad. They are not godlike figures, but to a child they are. And often I find that the most important deconstructing work that most people are forgetting to do is to take their parents off of a pedestal and to say, these are just human beings that were teaching me whatever they thought was important for me at the time, but now I'm free. See, that's what adulthood is. It's full autonomy over the self. And once you reach it, you are free to say, okay, I learned that lesson. Thanks for getting me safely here. But actually that part doesn't sit well with me or it doesn't match me or it doesn't belong to me. And so I'm going to modify it. But hardly anyone does that modifying. Most people try to modify themselves. Most people hate themselves because of sentences that were spoken to them in childhood by a tired or stressed out or ill-informed or uneducated or whatever parent who was just trying to get through that day. And yet these sentences can shape our whole life. And so we are meant to say, what are the sentences that I am using to tell myself that I am wrong? And we get to say, do I actually agree with these assessments about life? Can I actually take my parents off this godlike pedestal? And by the way, this doesn't mean that we don't respect our parents. It's actually the opposite. There's another paradox for you. By taking your parents off of this pedestal, you neutralize resentment and you're able to access respect much easier because you are treating them like another fully formed adult and you are granting them the grace to have their own opinions without those opinions having anything to do with you. 
And this is how we can have freedom because your parents did their job in some cases and and in others they maybe didn't. But you arrive to adulthood, presumably, and it is your decision now, right? But this is the first point of deconstruction work is to reclaim your own life and to say, I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be. What does that even mean? Who even is that person? If I was to take away all the shoulds that are floating around my life telling me what's acceptable and what is not, and I was to just ask myself that question, and then if I was to allow myself to be that person, what would be possible for me? Because remember, the guides told me that our entire purpose here is to become the most real and authentic version of ourselves as possible. And the reason for this is because You are a spell that was cast by the universe. And this is the thing I like to say from time to time. And I don't really know if it's even true, but it's so like pretty and poetic and like on brand for me that I'm just like obsessed with it. But the point is that you are a spell that was cast by the universe, right? Because a spell is what? A spell is something with certain parameters that will shape reality in a certain way that was set out into the universe to manifest. And doesn't that sound like you? Don't you have certain things about you that were meant to exist that will shape your personal reality in a way if you allow them to manifest? See, if we are spells cast out by the universe, or even if we are just beings of energy that are existent in the universe, we are here to be fully formed as that being. We are here to be that being that we are. And so if we are here to be ourselves, then anything that is keeping us from that truest form of ourselves is hindering our own purpose. You incarnated into this body because this body provides you the vessel through which you can be that version of yourself. You incarnated as the creature with your name because that creature is supposed to be themselves. Whether you keep that name that you were given at first or choose your own, it doesn't matter because in choosing your own, you are so becoming clear with actually the vibrational resonance of the being and the creature called you, right? And so you are this being because this being is supposed to be and they are supposed to exist and they are supposed to put out their energy and they are supposed to share themselves with the world. And this is why we all have the same purpose to be ourselves as fully as possible and each purpose is fundamentally and infinitesimally different because the way that I am going to be me is going to be very different than the way that you are going to be you and that is what makes it so beautiful right and so given that our goal is to allow ourselves to figure out who we truly are and to revoke the things that keep us from being that person and to radically drop into a place of just self-love and self-acceptance for being the creatures that we are on this world. Because that is our job, we can follow our joy safely in this life. And it doesn't always feel like joy to do this work, right? Because we are having to dig in and deconstruct and reprogram and kick away things that don't belong to us. And we must begin somewhere. And so... I like to begin by saying, what do I even like? Or if I could be anything, what would I be? And it can be as small as like, what kind of clothes do I wish I could wear, but I maybe don't feel like I'm the type of person who can pull it off. And you can see how there's so much self-work just in those few questions alone. 
because we've been programmed by our culture to think that we can and can't wear certain things. And we've been programmed by our family of origin to judge people based on their clothing. And we've been programmed in so many ways based on our bodies or based on our looks or based on our height or based on whatever it might be, based on our socioeconomic class status. We are programmed to look certain ways or to fit into certain molds, but we might not actually match them. And so if there are areas in your life where you feel fundamentally anxious or stressed or just disconnected or just not okay, it's usually because you are trying to fit into some standard or be some version of yourself that you think you're supposed to be rather than who you truly are. And so we think at first that the work is around conforming and finding ways to become more acceptable when really the work is about love and finding our way home to acceptance of the self. It's easier than it seems. Changing yourself into something you're not is an impossible task. Learning to love yourself for who you actually are is highly achievable and a way more beautiful journey. Because at the end of that one, there's reward. And at the end of the other one, there's nothing but more heartache and pain and what ifs and doubt and fear and like just loneliness. And life feels hard no matter what. So I would rather life feel hard while I'm doing an abundance of self-work than for it to feel hard for me to just continue to have everything feel like out of alignment and sad. So if our goal is to find out who we are, and to live from that place, and if that is our purpose in our lives, then that means that we are really here to start to shape the reality around us, right? Because here's what they were telling me last night. One of my mentors and my favorite people on this earth, she used to say, we are in co-creation with the universe. We are in co-creation with the divine plan, which means It doesn't exist without us. We are directly contributing to this story that's being woven in the universe around us. It means that everything's not predestined or preordained or predetermined. It means that we are in co-creation. We are collaborators in the story of the universe and our energy and our contributions matter. And if that's the case, can you see why you must be your truest sense of yourself? Can you see why you must be the truest version of yourself if that's the truth? Because if you are contributing to the story called the universe and your role in that story, the spell that you are that's cast into that story is supposed to manifest in a certain way that only your energy can bring when you are really truly showing up as you, then it is imperative that we figure out how to get you to that place where you are okay being your truest self, right? If we are in co-creation, if we are directly contributing, if what we are doing and how we are living and how we are showing up matters, then we must get right with ourselves. We must get right with being willing to become ourselves because that is our purpose. And so last night... (laughs) They said to me, you know, you're like crystals or like plants in so much as you take in energy and you do something with it and you put it back out. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. Tell me a little bit more. And they said, 
you know, you've been talking about empaths with certain people recently, and you've been reminding the empaths out there, and if you're an empath, listen to this, because this reminder is for you. You've been reminding the empaths out there that they can access positive energy and use it to shift their moods just in the same way that they can absorb someone's negative energy and try to do the work to get out of it and decontaminate from it. Empaths are always concerned with and asking about how they can cleanse their energy and remove negativity and shift out of whatever grossness they're steeping in. And that's a valid question. But what empaths aren't remembering, because empaths aren't often concerned with their own self-care, which is why, by the way, my first question to an empath is to say, number one, is what I'm feeling my mood or someone else's mood? And number two, to coach someone into the realization that just because you are aware of someone else's energy, it does not mean you are responsible for it. And I'm going to say that again. Just because you are aware of someone else's mood or energy, it doesn't mean you're responsible for it. It doesn't mean you caused it. It doesn't mean you're maintaining it. And it doesn't mean that you're supposed to fix it. Empaths so often don't allow others to have their work be their own. And if you want a really kind of intensely gross reality check, that's often because the empath is avoiding themselves as well. And so they're willing to do someone else's work or absorb someone else's energy or solve someone else's problems. But when it comes time to be in stillness and in silence with themselves, it's too scary because we're not taught how to deprogram ourselves and deconstruct ourselves and to rebuild ourselves and reconstruct ourselves. So an empath, they were saying, forgets that they are able to use positive energy in the same way that negative energy affects them. So if you are an empath and you're feeling some type of way, why don't you get around somebody who's positive and let their energy infiltrate yours? Or how about you turn on your favorite movie or a playlist that is fun, or you go do an activity or you get outside or you put yourself in energy that is uplifting and positive and let yourself absorb that. And that is something that we often forget. But so they were saying to me, okay, you've been talking about this thing with empaths, but have you thought about it this way? <clears throat> you as a human being take in energy. Let's say you're around someone who's in a really nasty mood and you're already a little stressed out. So you take in their energy, you take in their bad mood, right? Now, what you do with it from there determines what kind of generator or what kind of power plant or what kind of little creature you are, right? Because if you take in someone's bad mood and you get all toxified and gross and like icky inside and now you go to the next person and you're short-tempered or impatient or kind of irritable with them, you have been this little power plant of energy and you've taken a bad mood and you've created another bad mood from it and you've gifted it to somebody else. Because we are energy absorbers and we are energy transmuters. But if you have the ability and the capacity to do self-work and you have done your self-work and you are able to hold a place of clarity of thought and boundaries and the rule, take nothing personally. If you're able to come from that place, when someone comes to you with their bad mood, you're able to have perspective. You're able to have compassion you're able to be like, wow, that sounds terrible what you're going through today. I'm really sorry. Is there some way I can help you? And then you're able to authentically help 
You're able to authentically give compassion. And then you're able to go, okay, well, let me know if you need anything and I'm around or whatever. And get back about your business. You're able to say to yourself, when you feel those little twingy things inside your stomach going, oh my God, this is so gross, right? When you feel that happening, you're able to say to yourself, what do I want to do about this? Like, why am I feeling like this? And when we have self-work as part of our pathway to life, we say, what about this situation is setting me off and making me feel like gross? And then you work through it. Oh, okay, the way that they're in their mood reminds me of the way that my ex-boyfriend was in his mood, and I hate that, but this is a different scenario. I'm sure that they're just coming from having a bad day. I'm going to assume the best for right now, and if it's something bigger, I'll definitely figure that out and work on it then. And then we approach the situation, hey, it sounds like you're having a terrible day. What might help you? Would you like a cup of tea? Or whatever it might be, because we talk to ourselves. See, people who are doing self-work are constantly coaching themselves. People who are doing shadow work are constantly coaching themselves through their own work. And so if you are able to absorb someone's mood, coach yourself through it, stay positive, and actually feel kind of beautiful on the other side because it didn't affect you and you were able to show up in service to that person by even just the service of listening, which is a huge service that we don't ever really pay attention to. But if you're able to give them the gift of actual listening and validation and then keep it moving, what you have done is you have taken a negative mood and within yourself, you've transformed it into positive energy. You have found a way to give something positive out to the universe after you took something negative in. Because I'll tell you another thing that that I learned not too long ago, well, a few years ago at this point, maybe more than a few. Everybody thinks of enlightenment and awakening as if we are ascending. And I've talked about this on this podcast before. But really what's happening is ascension is another paradox because ascension does not mean we are going up anywhere. Ascension is a climb down a ladder within the self into the depths of who you are and to figure out who you really are and to be that person that is the highest level of being, uncovering and excavating anything that keeps you from yourself. That is when we have ascended. That is self-mastery. That's what that is. And so when we are able to come from that place What we are doing in this life is not about lessons that we're learning. See, everyone's like, oh, everything's a lesson. That's true when you're in that first phase of shadow work. Once you've started deconstructing who you are, you start to realize, oh, this is what made me this person. This negative thing is the thing I have to deconstruct. That's where your lessons are. In that stage of thing, everything is a lesson because you're like, oh, I learned this. But what I actually want to learn is that. And you're going through all of the lessons. But when you get to that other stage where you live from that place of being who you are, you start to realize that life's purpose has nothing to do really with our learning and what we're taking in and how we are accelerating ourselves. It has so much more to do with what we are giving away. Our life here is in service of. In service of the energy, in service of the universe, in service of the collective, in service of each other, in service of the self. We are here in service of, 
right? And so once we figure out who we are, our job is to give every part of ourselves away because it just regenerates because it's who we are. We are a spell cast by the universe. We are an endless source of this energy called us during this life cycle that we have here. And then lather, rinse, repeat, we will return again and we will be a different spell, but with a similar flavor about ourselves, right? And so when we realize that our purpose is to put out that energy from within ourselves that has our unique style, our unique flavor, our unique essence to it. And when we are presented with an opportunity to take in something negative, it is the highest gift and ultimate honor to be able to take that negative energy, to do the self-work required to not let it be negative within us and to transmute that energy into something positive. Because if we are in co-creation of this universe, then what we are exuding around us matters. We are literally creating and building the structures and the walls and the energetic vibration of the universe around us by what we are contributing, the energy that we put out. You know, back in an election period a couple years ago that was pretty difficult for me personally, I said to my guides, what are we supposed to do about this, <laughs> right? And they said, start with the world that you can change, which is your own world. Start with your own world. What can you specifically do to align with the energy of what you're wanting to call in? What can you specifically do to shift your own world? Which is why speaking up and speaking out is very important because the people around you are listening to you. And so if you can have someone around you listen to what you're saying and it comes from a holy or spiritual or elevated or beautiful place, you can perhaps affect their energy too. And it is when we, when the small worlds collide and one small world influences another small world and that small world influences another small world. And then it on and on, it goes on to the collective. And finally, the whole world is influenced by something. That is how we make changes. We don't set out to change the big world. We set out to change a series of small worlds around us by being us and by putting out the energy that we want to put out. I mean, you can see how this manifests with like viral videos or like TikTok or like whatever. It's everywhere. Things can rapidly accelerate and change the fabric of the reality, right? <clears throat> and so if we are these little energy transmuters and we can take in negative energy and do our self-work and not let it be negative because we don't accept that within ourselves, right? That's, that energy doesn't belong within me. So if we can take it in and do whatever we need to do and be unaffected by it, but put out something positive, then we are co-creating a more positive reality around us. That's what we're doing. We are like contributing to the story of the universe in a positive way. And if enough of us do this, and if enough of us understand this, then the whole energy vibration, the whole frequency shifts. And this is what creates a paradigm shift. Enough people understanding a concept at one time that the whole collective gets the benefit from it. And then the whole collective changes and shifts and iterates to the next level. And you are directly contributing to the paradigm shifts of our age right now. Because you are in this flow and you are willing to do this work. And you are willing to look at yourself and to say, what kind of energy do I want to exude? 
What kind of energy do I want to contribute to that collective? We are co-creating this reality. I heard a medium once say something about how um, we are all incarnating more quickly nowadays. And I don't know if I actually put worth stock into that or not, because time isn't really linear on the other side. And we can have a past life that is technically in the future and all of this other stuff. But she said, we're incarnating quickly. And I was like, well, why do you think that is? And she said, well, because there is this energetic battle happening between the, the negative energy and the positive energy. And we're trying to have our more ascended people are turning around and incarnating again right away. And because she's a medium, she was like, I keep trying to talk to these people that I knew who were really high level, high vibrational in life. And after they passed, they'll be there for a while and then they'll be gone. And she's like, it's because I realized they incarnated again already. And she said, I think that they're doing that because they're trying to bring back in that awakened energy. They're trying to refuel, re-up, refill the tank here in tangible reality with people who are able to teach this or live this or experience this or come in with their eyes open or who have their eyes opened while they're here to elevate the energy because we are co-creating. It's not already set. We don't know who wins or who loses yet. We're contributing to the story, right? And if that's the case, then we would like to make a positive contribution. We would like to live a life of service. When we come from a place of scarcity or not being enough or judging ourselves or being harsh with ourselves, that is a self-indulgent life, just to be really clear. Hating yourself is kind of a self-indulgent way of being. Because you get to just stay in this spiral of self-hatred, thinking only about yourself, feeling sorry for yourself, feeling disenfranchised, disempowered, feeling terrible, and not being able to really get anything done, which means you're not really going to be living your life, which means you're avoiding your purpose, which is a contribution in sort of a sad and negative way, right? And my guides last night, they said to me, this is why... Shadow work and self-work is so important. And this is why you specifically, Rian, because they were talking to me, is why you are obsessed with supporting people in their shadow work and their self-work because you have this intrinsic understanding that it matters and that it is contributing to the whole. And they said, we need everyone to understand how important it is to get down into the core of who they are, to do the self-work so that when energy comes through them, it leaves invigorated, it leaves effervescent, it leaves more alive, more infused with joy and abundance and trust and hope and love. Because what we're putting out is directly influencing the way that the universe is resonating. It's influencing the vibrational frequency of the universe. So if you are a spell who has been cast, what kind of spell are you? What kind of spell do you want to be? If you had the power to shape the universe and make it have a certain energetic variance to it or a certain energetic resonance to it or a certain energetic vibration to it, whatever word works for you. If you were able to dictate, this is how I want the universe to feel all the time, what would you choose? I would probably choose love and fun, joyful laughter, happiness, lightheartedness, really cool moments of connection with somebody else. 
those really great deep kinds of conversations you get to have sometimes with another person. I would choose those energies, the way the ocean smells and how that makes me feel. I would choose things like that. But if I'm living a life where I'm denying myself access to those emotions, how can I create that world, not only for the collective, not only on the universe's scale, but how will I ever create that world for myself either? And remember, change starts through small worlds interconnecting with bigger worlds. So you must be willing to say, how do I want my world to feel? And how can I remove anything from my own self-talk and my own self-awareness that keeps me from feeling that way? And I won't pretend with you that this is super easy. I'm not going to be like, yeah, just do that. It's fine. No, this is hard. It's hard work. And that's why we usually need um, a mental health guide of some form or another. This is what I do in my life coaching practice. I start by saying to my clients, how do you want to feel in your life? How do you feel now? But how do you want to feel? And then I say, we're going to make small, subtle changes to get you from how you're feeling now to how you're wanting to feel. And in this way, through this form of self-work, we are changing worlds. And my guides last night were very clear that what we're doing matters, that the changes that we're making on an interpersonal level with ourselves matter to the collective, matter to the bigger collective, that of the universe and of the multiverses and all the dimensional realities, because we are co-creating this. It isn't already set yet. We're a part of it. So ask yourself to contemplate what part you want to be. Thank you for listening. I hope that you're all well. I love to hear from you. So please send me a message. You can reach out to me on Instagram or on Facebook or on my website. Or you know what? You can go find my YouTube channel and, and leave me a comment there. It's, I have been beautiful sharing this message with you today. And I hope you have a blessed day and a beautiful week.